I'm uh, Brian, one of the teaching pastors, and we're in a series, we're in week three of a series called Help Wanted, God's Grace is the Help That You Need. So what we've been talking about is this, bibli- this really important biblical concept of grace. So in week, if you missed any of this, you can find all of it online at PursueGod.org. But in week one, we talked about how grace impacts our, the beginning of our faith. The Bible says that we're saved by, by grace through faith. What that means is we're not saved by works, we're not saved by efforts, we're not saved by our own righteousness, by, our, by, our, by what we can do, by keeping a list of things. So when we think, of, most of us, when we think of grace, that's what we think of. We think of that week one sermon that we're saved by grace, Ephesians 2, 8 and 9. We're saved by grace through faith, and this is a gift from God. We've been defining grace is the, is the character of God's nature. So it's something about God's nature by which he helps us without requiring anything in return. Now, you don't really know anyone like this in your life. You, honestly, you don't know anyone at all who has grace like God has grace. Because everyone that you know, even, even if they're just wonderful people, they still, they still just don't have the perfect grace of God. Of God. Grace is a completely 100% a gift. And so even in, our, in my relationship with my parents, I have wonderful parents, but still it wasn't completely unconditional love the way that I have it from my father. Some of you are, have, have struggled to, get, to be in relationship with God because of parents or an authority figure or maybe a spouse or maybe a religious figure, maybe a church you grew up in. You get, you get this idea that God is waiting for you to screw up or maybe that you've already screwed up, and so there's no way that you could have a relationship with God. Well, that's what we talked about in, in week one. We are saved by grace through faith, period. There's, there's nothing else to add to that sentence. We're saved by grace through faith. So that was week one. By the way, if you're here today and you say, I still, I, I haven't quite responded to that. I'd like to respond to that. I would like to be in relationship with someone like that. There's only one person you can be in relationship who has that kind of grace. And it's, and it's God through Jesus Christ. Week two, we went on, this was last week, we went on to talk about how grace impacts the way we live our lives. Okay, so when we, here we talk about helping people pursue God. So when we, when we say that we at Alpine Church want to pursue God with you or we want to help you pursue God, we mean three main things by that. Number one, we want to help you trust Jesus, which only happens by grace. But after you trust Jesus for salvation, I did it when I was six years old. After that, the next part of pursuing God is honoring him with your choices, honoring him with your lifestyle, honoring him with your attitude. In other words, that God, when God saves us 100% by his grace, he doesn't then want us to just live lives that are unaffected by that grace. It actually should change the way that we live our lives. That means that we should look different than the people around us. And that's what we talked about last week, is that we're not just saved by grace, week one, but last week we talked about that we even honor God by grace. In other words, that my ability to be a good dad, my ability to be a good husband, my ability to be a good worker, young people, your ability to be a godly student in junior high or in high school, it is not actually just up to you. A large part of that is God's grace. God gives us the grace to live in a way that honors him. Because otherwise, we'd walk around, after having been saved by grace, we'd walk around saying, well, look at how good I am. 
Look at how much I've accomplished. Look at what a wonderful person I am. And that's all me. That's just me pulling myself up by my bootstraps. And now I'm working really hard to be a good person. Now God saved me, but that happened in a moment when I was six. Ever since then, everything else in my life that I've worked for is something that is to my credit. Well, that's actually not true. That's what we talked about last week. So last week we talked about how we even live by grace. We're not just saved by grace, week one, but we actually live by grace. And this is really important for all of us to understand. So some of you are like, okay, well, what else could we talk about? I think we've exhausted the category of grace. There's nothing more to say about grace. Oh, not so fast, my friend. We have some more to talk about. This week, we're going to talk about what grace looks like inside the church. So this week, as we finish up, it's a four-week series. So this week, we're talking about how grace should affect us, this community of faith. So get ready, because you're going to learn some stuff today. And, and I pray the Holy Spirit really speaks to our hearts and helps us to, to listen to how grace should impact the way we do relationships. And then next week, we're going to talk about, next week might be the fieriest one of all of them, because next week, we're going to talk about how grace impacts outside the church. What it, what it looks like. For those of us who are followers of Jesus, what that should look like then outside the church, because it turns out that that grace should extend beyond these walls. Today we're talking about what grace should look like right here, but next week we're going to talk about what grace looks like on Facebook and on Twitter and on Instagram, and if you happen to have relationships outside of those things, (laughs) then what grace looks like in actual relationships. So that's next week. But today, this week, we're talking about, you almost didn't get that. We're talking about (laughs) grace inside the church. All right, here's the point. I want you to think about this point. The Christian community, okay, so that's, that's Alpine Church West Haven. That's Alpine Church in general, all of our campuses. That's other churches, even, even Washington Heights Baptist, right? Like all these other churches, all these wonderful churches around us, the Christian church, that's the church around the, the whole country, that's the church around the whole world, that's the church through the ages. The church started in, you know, 2,000 years ago, read the book of Acts if you want to learn about the beginnings of the church. So the church, I want you to think about this, the church, the Christian community, should look different than other social groups because of the radical reality of grace. Our reflex response, right, you know what a reflex is. You, you hit that thing, you hit that thing, and it, you, know, you have a reflex. Like, you can't help it. The thing that we should not be able to help is to be gracious. We should not be able to help being gracious. That's what we're going to talk about today. Now, before we get into this, we're going to talk about hypocrites. Raise your hand if you're a hypocrite, just real quick. Just, yeah, thank you. Thank you. Actually, that was really, really refreshing to see so many people raise their hands. Those of you who didn't raise your hand, you'll realize you're hypocrites, too. You're probably the worst hypocrites here. And we're going to talk about what it means, what it looks like to be healthy. And we're going to finish by talking about um, how, how hypocrisy can poison the church. But I want to start by just, I want you to think about, right now, different communities that you're a part of. So this is one of the communities you're a part of. The Christian, I hope you would say that you're a part of this community. If you're new here, we're we inviting you to be a part of this community. I hope you want to be a part of this community after you hear this message. But I want, I, so, so the, hopefully this is one community you're a part of. But I want you to think about some of the other communities you're a part of, right? So young people, maybe it's your friend group. 
right? I've got two kids, daughter, son, they've got friends. So that, you know, they'll be thinking about their friend groups mainly, right? So young people, that I want you to think about your friend groups right now, who you hang out with at school. If you're in youth group here, think about the youth group. Uh, some, of you, uh, some of you older folks like me, I want you to think about your community at work. Some of you might work up on base. I want you to think about your community on base. Some of you, maybe when you think about community, you think about Cheers, the show Cheers. You know what I'm talking about, Cheers? Thank you. Is it just me? Okay, so you think of Cheers. Like, that was a, that's a community. My, my dad grew up in a bar on the south side of Chicago. No joke. My dad grew up in a bar. His dad ran a tavern on the south side of Chicago. The family lived above the ta- tavern, and, and his dad ran the tavern. And my dad's the oldest of the sons, so he had to help run the tavern. So literally, whenever on Christmas, when, whenever we went to Grandpa's house, we went to a bar on the south side of Chicago, <laughs> which is really hilarious if you think about it, because we were like totally straight-laced. We weren't supposed to drink. That was kind of how I was raised in my church. Don't drink, don't chew, don't go with girls who do, right? This is, this is what we lived by. I have a tattoo that says that anyway. But I would go into the, I remember as a young person, I would go into the bar and I would see these people and these people were the nicest people in the world. Maybe that's why my older brother became an alcoholic. I don't know. But seriously, like I thought about that. Like we would go and they were the nicest people in the world. They, were, they, were, they would talk with us, they would laugh with us, they would joke with us, they would give us money, they would, they would say, hey, do this, if you can race from there to the door, if you can do it in five seconds, I'll give you a buck, you know, we're like, all right, yeah. and we thought it was for real, we thought we were fast, and we would go and we'd come back and we'd get a buck, I mean, it was awesome. So think about all the communities you're a part of, I'm thinking about that one right now, and think about which one is the most grace-filled so grace is giving someone a gift when they don't deserve it. One of the most grace-filled environments in my young life was my grandpa's tavern. They, I mean, no strings attached. They were super nice. They were super generous. They were wonderful people. In fact, I wonder if you would have followed me around and if you would have gone to church with me on Sunday... And then gone to the tavern with me later in the week on Christmas. I wonder, I wonder which one would seem more grace-filled of those environments. So think about your environments. Because again, the, the point that we're going to unpack together, and I, I, you need to hang in through the end. Because I don't want you to misunderstand this. But the point we're trying to unpack is that the Christian community should look different than other social groups because of the radical reality of grace we should have the most grace in this community than anywhere else that you're a part of. There should be more grace happening, more extending grace, more being forgiving, more being loving, more being generous, more, more gift giving without strings attached. There should be more of that right here than any other community you're a part of. And I want you to think about that now with the communities you're a part of. Is that true? Just be honest with yourself. Is that true? This might be a good thing to unpack later on today as you think and pray about today's message. So let's dig in. Let's see what God's word has to say about it. Number one, first thing I want you to see. It's hypocritical to receive grace 
and not to give it. You're a total hypocrite if you receive grace, but you don't give grace. That's why, that's why we should be so grace-filled in this church, because we, we completely, 100% live by grace. Christians should treat others the way they've been treated by God. Okay, I, I want to look at this in Scripture. So, first of all, Romans 15, verse 7, it says this. This is Paul. He's writing this. He says, therefore, accept each other just as Christ has accepted you so that God will be given the glory. This is the part in the letter where Paul's almost done writing his letter to the church in Rome. He hadn't even visited this church yet, but they were Christians in Rome, and he wanted to make sure, Paul was really interested in making sure that the early church understood how to live, like how to apply. I mean, a big part of his message was we're saved by grace, right, week one. But another huge part of his message was week today, that the, the, the fact that we are saved by grace should impact the way we relate to one another. That was a radical concept 2,000 years ago, and it's, it's actually still a very radical concept today. And so Paul's point is, accept each other just as Christ accepted you. So how did Christ accept you? Do we need to review it? He accepted you unconditionally. He accepted you warts and all. I told you I was six years old when I, when I first got saved. You should have seen how screwed up I was as a six-year-old, man. And he accepted me. Now, some of you are like, no, that, that is how I feel because I got saved 10 years ago or 20. You should have seen. I mean, some of, I know some of your stories in here. And it is, a, it is a, a tribute to the grace of God. And mine might be the biggest tribute to the grace of God. That he saved me at six years old. And I didn't have to experience some of the stuff that other people have experienced. So God's word says, the way Jesus accepted you, you accept others. Do you know that that is impossible to do? I just, I opened up by saying, you've never in your whole life experienced someone like Jesus. Jesus accepts better than you can accept. Jesus extends grace better than you can extend grace. But it's not an excuse not to try. So this is what God's word says. We should, we should treat other people the way God treated us. And God treats us with grace. And then Jesus told this parable, Matthew 18. Probably some of you know this parable. We're going to go through it real quick. It's, it's the parable of the unforgiving debtor. Peter comes to Jesus, says, hey, how, how often should I forgive someone, right? So let's talk about this in the church right now. Someone offended me. Raise your hand if you've ever been offended. Thank you. Good. Raise your hand if you've ever been the offender. Yes, thank you. Me too. I'm raising both hands myself. So, so Peter, Peter said, hey, how often should I forgive someone if they sin against me? Should I do it seven times? And Peter's probably thinking, that would be pretty generous, you know. And he pro Peter's probably thinking that Jesus is going to say, no, heavens no, Peter. Three times is fine. And after three times, you can boot him out. You don't have to be friends with him anymore. You don't have to forgive him anymore. You don't have to love him anymore. You don't have to extend anymore. Like, there's a statute of limitations here, right? And no, but that's not what Jesus says. He says, no, not seven times, but 70 times seven. I'm a math guy. I could tell you what that number is, but that's not the point. The point, 70 times seven was another way of saying is you should just always forgive. You should always forgive. 
And then he tells this story, just real quick. It's a story of a, the, he says, the kingdom, of heaven, the kingdom of heaven, which is what we're a part of in our community, can be compared to a king who decided to bring his accounts up to date with servants who borrowed money from him. In the process, one of his debtors was brought in who owed him millions of dollars. He couldn't pay, so his master ordered that he be sold along with his wife, children, everything he owned. That's what you could do back then, right? And so it says this, but, but the, the king ends up forgiving his debt. Millions of dollars, forgives it. And then, this is crazy, he turns around, the same guy turns around in verse 28. He leaves the king, and he went, he went immediately and found a fellow servant who owed him a few thousand dollars, okay? So he owed the king millions of dollars. This other guy, this other servant, owes him a few thousand dollars, and he grabs him by the throat, and he demands instant payment. Now, if you're sitting there listening to Jesus tell this parable, you are getting ticked off right now. You're like, how, how dare he? What a moron! How could this guy go and do something like that? And this is why Jesus told parables. He told parables so it would be kind of like a gut punch. You'd be like, no, that just doesn't seem right. That's messed up. That's messed up. And Jesus, Jesus comes to the point in verse 32, then the king called in the man he had forgiven. And he said, you evil servant, I forgave you that tremendous debt because you pleaded with me. Shouldn't you have mercy on your fellow servant just as I had mercy on you? And then the angry king sent the man to prison to be tortured until he paid his entire debt. I don't know if you've ever read that parable all the way through. That's frightening. And the, the point is, you're a complete hypocrite. If somebody offends you, if somebody does something in the community of faith, and we are the worst at this. Christians tend to be the worst at this. The longer you're a Christian, sadly, the higher of a chance you have at getting offended with somebody else within the church. That's ridiculous. It shouldn't be that way, but that's how it is in so many churches. May it not be like that at our church. That, we're, that we take ourselves so seriously that when somebody does something to offend us, to hurt us, to hurt our feelings, that we would gossip about it, that we would backbite, that we would not forgive, that we would break out off a relationship, that we would go to another church, Instead of realizing, oh my goodness, this is like pennies compared to what Jesus forgave me. Of course I'll forgive you if Jesus forgave me. But notice what happens if we don't, because that's scary. Here's the truth. Giving grace helps others flourish and grow. I want to unpack this for a second with you. Grace unlocks Emotional, relational, spiritual, financial. Grace unlocks all this health in our lives. Do you know that if you've taken the pursuit online, that one of the things that we say in there, lesson two I think it is, is that, that Jesus is interested in the whole person. He's not just interested in, the, in your spiritual side. He's interested in your whole person. And what he's interested in is, is that you become a whole, a healthy whole person. That's what he's interested in. He's not interested in, in just saving you, and now spiritually you're saved, but in every other way you're still screwed up. 
You're spiritually saved, you've been forgiven, you're gonna go to heaven someday, but in the meantime, you got money problems, you got emotional problems, mental health problems, you've got, you've got relationship problems. That's actually, Jesus' interest, I know this is hard for, for us to understand because so many churches, so many churches have so many screwed up people in their churches who claim to be spiritually healthy, but they're, they're the biggest wrecks emotionally and relationally. Jesus is interested in all of you. He's interested in your whole person. He wants you to be emotionally healthy. He wants you to be relationally healthy. He wants you to be spiritually healthy. And all these things are connected. They're all tied together. And you know what ties so much of these things together? Grace. Because when we get right spiritually, and the only way to get right spiritually is through grace. When we get right spiritually, what happens is, Pretty soon that relation, when I say spiritually, I just mean your, your vertical relationship with God. When you get right spiritually, that vertical relationship starts to impact your horizontal relationships. And it even starts to impact your own relationship with yourself. If, if the God of the universe can love you, guess what? Maybe you can love you. So now you can be emotionally healthy because God loves you. Who cares what other people say about you? Who cares if you lost a little bit of hair? Are all of it? Thank you, brother. It's just I'm just I'm being I don't know what you're laughing at. I'm being hypothetical here. Just bringing some examples out. If you understand that the number one the number one thing that defines you is your relationship with God, and your relationship with God is defined by grace, that He's gracious and gift giving, and does He's not expecting He's not sitting there saying, "When are you going to pay me back for this?" That He gives that to you, man. You start to live this this free. This free life, not just free in here. And stop listening to all the noise, but free out here. Pretty soon, we start to extend grace to our friends. We extend grace in our small groups. We extend grace to our spouse. We extend grace to our kids. Kids, you extend grace to your parents. This, this is what happens is grace unlocks health in the church. That's why the church should be the best place to be. It should be the community that everyone wants to be a part of because we should be the most healthy and whole people in the whole community. And the reason for that is grace. Let's see why. James chapter five, verse 16. I love this verse. It says, confess your sins to each other and pray for each other so that you may be healed. I just want you to, now I've, I've known this verse for years. I remember this verse when I was a kid in church, and I see this so differently now. You know what this is saying? Is this should be a community where we can confess our sins to one another. What would that be like? What would it take for us to be in a community where we can confess our sins to each other? I'll tell you what it'll take, grace. That you confess your sins and you're not going to get booted out of the church. You confess your sins and... Someone's going to pray for you instead of judge you or hold it over your head. And guess what happens? I used to think that this was just some, like, mystical, spiritual formula. Okay, that, that if I confess my sins to the priest, and then the priest prays for me, then I'll be, then I'll be healed. It's like the spirit. It's not, I don't even think it's a mystical, spiritual thing. I just think it's the way God wired us. When you get it off your chest and someone in your relation, in relationship with you who loves you and cares about you prays for you, 
you'll start being healthy again. The opposite of that is you don't get it off your chest. You hide it. And the, the, here's the thing with stuff in the dark. Stuff in the dark, sin, when we keep sin in the dark, then we never get healed. So if we're in a community, whether it's your family or this church or your small group or an accountability relationship, if you're in a community where you're always hiding, you're like Adam and God. God when Adam first sinned, he hid from God. Go read about it in Genesis. He hid from God. And God comes walking saying, where are you, Adam? And see, this is what sin makes us do. Sin makes us want to run and hide. But grace makes us want to expose it. Why? Because we love exposing our sin? <laughs> no. Because then we'll be healed. Because you'll be healthy when you, when you actually get it off your chest. Young people, hear this. You'll be healthy if you get it off your chest, what you're struggling with, what you're thinking about, the temptations in your life. You'll be healthier if you can get it off your chest with your parents. Parents, hear this. you got to be gracious. Because why would they confess their sins if you're not going to pray for them? Why would they confess their sins if you're just going to lecture them? A community of grace doesn't work like that. A, a community of grace is one where we can do that. We can say, I'm struggling with this. I'll be honest with you. I don't know what to do about this. And we're surrounded by people who want to help us. They don't want to judge us. That's grace. Luke 18, Jesus again tells a story about it. He says, these two guys go to the temple to pray. Kind of sounds like a joke. One was a Pharisee. The other was a despised tax collector. Okay, so these are these, like, two opposite ends of extremes. Pharisee is a super religious guy. Tax collector is just super screwed up guy. Okay, I'm not going to ask you which one you are. But he goes on. It says this. The Pharisee stood by himself, and he prayed this prayer. I thank you, God. I love this. It's so funny. I thank you, God, that I'm not like other people. Cheaters, sinners, adulterers. I can just see this. And I'm certainly not like that tax collector. Could you imagine? I mean, this is kind of hyperbole. Nobody would actually pray that out loud. But how many people really think that? Pharisees always think that way. They don't, maybe, they don't ever maybe say it, but that's what they're thinking. I'm glad I'm not like that guy. And I love the contrast, the tax collector in verse 13. Tax collector stood at a distance and dared not even lift his eyes to heaven as he prayed. Instead, he beat his chest in sorrow saying, oh God, be merciful to me for I'm a sinner. The whole point here is, verse 14, I tell you, this sinner, not the Pharisee, he returned home justified before God. The sinner is who Jesus wants us to be like, the tax collector, the guy who doesn't hide his sins. In our community, in our relationship with God, we don't have to hide our sins. Do you know why? Because of his grace. And guess what that means? In our relationship with one another, we don't have to hide our sins. Why? Because of our grace. That should impact our community. One last thing. We'll just finish with this. Some believers, thank God none of us. This is all those other guys, right? Some believers miss the grace of God. And what happens is you end up poisoning the church. The church and the world needs more grace givers. That's what we all need. So my challenge to you is to be a, to be a part of the solution. And that means a couple things. Number one, be Willing to extend grace, but number two, be willing to receive grace from people around you. Be willing to be authentic and transparent because 
That's how the church should work. One last verse. Verse 15 in Hebrews 12, look after each other so that none of you fails to receive the grace of God. I love that. Watch out that no poisonous root of bitterness grows up to trouble you, corrupting many. What a, what a great verse. What a great reminder. Look after each other. That's how the community of faith should be. The community of faith should be such that we are so radically impacted by grace that our, the literal reflex, like we shouldn't even be able to help it. Our reflex should be, oh, I'm going to extend grace. Rather than our reflex being, I'm going to judge. Now, I want you to understand this doesn't mean that we extend grace and everyone lives in sin. Go back and look at these scriptures more. You'll see that this, the other thing that marks a community of faith is that is because we're able to be honest, we're healed. We're healed. That means we start making better choices. So God's grace doesn't just mean we all run around as just the worst sinners. God's grace unlocks this ability now to live godly lives as a community. Let's be those kinds of Christians, those who extend grace to one another. Let's pray together. God, I praise you um, because when you look at us, you don't condemn us. We saw this verse last week, Romans 8.1. Therefore, there is now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. Thank you, Lord God, for treating us like that. And I pray, Lord God, that it would Im impact every one of us. Husbands with wives, wives with husbands, parents with their kids. God, that it would impact us in our mentoring relationships, in our small groups. That it would impact junior hires and high schoolers when they go to school tomorrow. God, that we would be the kinds of people that are, that are so radically affected by your grace that we turn around and we extend radical grace to the people around us. And then, Lord God, that doing that, people would be knocking down these doors to get into this community where we love each other and we extend a grace to one another and that impacts us and that makes us healthy, that makes us whole. Thank you, Jesus, that you started it. Thank you for your grace. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen.